This is the Ayur What Now podcast, in which Mary Thompson and Jerry Thompson explore Ayurvedic principles and make them easy to understand so that you can benefit from this amazing health science. We're glad you're here. So I'm Mary Thompson, and this is Ayur What Now? What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about the concepts of holistic medicine and homeostasis. Also, we're going to introduce the concept of doshas. Enjoy it. Okay, so this is Mary Thompson, and I'm here with my brother Jerry Thompson. And if you don't know who we Hello. are, please. Oh, sorry, I'm talking right over you, like I will do for the rest of the hour. <laughs> but um, I'm here with my brother Jerry Thompson, and he and I are Ayur. What now? We're here to talk about Ayurveda in a way to demystify it. And Jerry, as my guest, is a professional in the Western healthcare field. And so he's going to ask me questions and we're going to have some discussion about Ayurveda and Western medicine and also about exploring Ayurveda in a way that makes it understandable. So Mm -hmm. welcome and welcome, Jerry. I'm glad you could be here with me today. Yeah, I mean, just one clarification. I'm a, a, a professional in a, a mental health. I was an instructor with a mental health nursing at university and worked in mental health for about 25 years prior to becoming an uh, university instructor. So I am not really a professional in all Western medicine, but I've got a, a good understanding of the uh, mental health system and uh, both its yeah. uh, benefits and a lot of the challenges that uh, are the uh, current health system today. Yeah. And don't you think more of medicine should focus on mental health? Because I think mental health plays such a huge role in physical health. One of the first things I'd always say to my students when I started a class is all nursing is mental health nursing. Yeah. The rest, you're just fiddling with gadgets. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And if you take care of the mind, it seems like the body takes better care of itself. That's right. I was was reading something this morning about Ayurveda's view on the mind and functions of the mind. One of the things was about self-control and making good decisions, you know, making the decision to choose the good thing over the bad thing. And um, I think that's important. Right, right. Okay. So you want to jump in? Today we're talking about um, kind of an introductory thing with Ayurveda, what it Mm -hmm. is, what it looks like. So How would you like to start? What do you think we should talk about? Well, let's just go with what Ayurvedic is. And of course, uh, that's what our whole goal is. But uh, just a brief introduction to uh, uh, how you could differentiate Ayurvedic medicine as opposed to other alternative uh, Mm -hmm. medicine uh, formality. Okay, yeah. So Ayurveda, I think it's really great. The word itself breaks down into two parts that means life wisdom. So it is, so apart from being a healthcare module model, it's um, just the knowledge of how to best live your life, how to make those good choices, I guess, is a good part of it. Okay. When we think about Ayurveda healthcare or Ayurvedic medicine, it's a, it's a method. It's what they call a holistic science. So it looks mm-hmm. at the mind isn't separate from the body. And it's also got a spiritual component where it says, you know, we're even more than this body, more than this mind. When we're aligned with our higher principles, then we're going to make better choices. And so it says we're not just bound by our body and mind, but by kind of our interaction with the world around us and that spirit that we carry within us. So what kind of medicine would that be? You know, it's a medicine that says when you're invested in taking care of this body, taking care of this mind, that you're going to generate health. And when I'm more invested in kind of, 
I don't think anybody's ever actively trying to harm the body, but they might be doing things that are harmful to the body because it feels good in the moment or because of addictions or because of cultural conditioning. So Ayurveda is a healthcare model that asks us to do better for the body and the mind, to make better choices. So okay. if you were going to see an Ayurvedic practitioner, they might talk to you about your diet or about what kind of things you like to do during the course of the day and make recommendations around that. Mm-hmm. Now, a term that gets used often is holistic medicine. Would mm-hmm. Ayurvedic fit in that category that you're looking more at the whole body uh, rather than just individual systems? Yes. So we always look at things holistically. I, I often use the example in classes where I, I tell about a time I had a staph infection on my thumb. And, you know, I could treat just the place where I had the staph infection just right there on the thumb. But the, the real truth was I had staph in my blood and it was traveling through my body looking for someplace to land. So I ended up doing two things, you know, treating at the site, but then treating holistically by taking some herbs that were going to help me alleviate staph from the blood so that it wasn't causing a problem anywhere else in my body. But I'm a whole thing. I can't just take mm-hmm. my thumb and put it, you know, in, in a jar of alcohol in the bathroom for the day and then go about my, go about my life without my thumb. It's part of me. So I think holistic just means we're all a thing. We're a whole thing. Yeah. And of course, a lot of approaches look at things holistically. What what would Mm -hmm. make our uh, our Vedic medicine be more, uh, differentiate our Vedic medicine from other uh, alternative medicines? It's it's foundation in theory is a natural-based medicine. And so what we're going to be talking about as we go deeper in with this is a lot of that theory. So one of the things people might have heard about if they've talked about Ayurveda at all is they might have heard about something that we call the doshas. And a dosha is like a fault, like a fault line. So we live in California, and there are lots and lots of faults running under the ground here in California. And when there's an earthquake, you're going to find out where those fault lines are. So when we think of a dosha like a fault, it means that we all have a part of us where there, we have a tendency to go out of balance. And Ayurveda kind of uses those tendencies to identify what's going to be the best way to keep you in balance. So some people have a tendency to go out of balance with being too dry, too light, and too unstable. And so we are recognizing that tendency, we apply recommendations like what kind of foods they would eat that would work against that dry, light, unstable quality, or what kind of activities they might do that might work against that dry, light, unstable quality. And that's how we'd keep them from having the earthquake. And the earthquake would be the disease. Having the earthquake would be the symptom. So I think the big thing that's different about Ayurveda is how it looks at the person. Mm -hmm. So we look at each person as a real unique combination of energies and has their own tendencies in the ways that they go out of balance. And so by acknowledging those tendencies, we can put into place practices that would keep them balanced. So it, it, I think one thing that's really tricky with Ayurveda is I'm often saying it's simple, but not easy Mm because it's simple to tell somebody, you know, go to bed at 10, but it's not easy for someone to change their life and go to bed at 10 if they've been staying up till two in the morning, or it's simple to tell someone eat more vegetables. We've probably all heard that lots. And, but it's not always easy to bring more of those vegetables into your regular diet. 
So I think it's Ayurveda is based on, you know, knowledge of self, recognizing those tendencies, and then a willingness to do things to pacify those tendencies rather than to double down on them. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm getting sort of the idea that it's trying to uh, keep uh, uh, homeostasis uh, mm-hmm. and, and balance. And one thing I want to um, make sure I'm on top of, because I know that we'll be talking about Ayurveda for uh, the, quite a while, dosha is a, ner- a word I need to know. Is, okay. that, is that right? Well, <laughs> we'll be referring I, back to dosha as something that means that I'm out of balance. Or my, oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Homeostatic mechanisms are out of balance and I need to get back in balance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's really great about that question is, is actually the point of this whole podcast is there's so much jargon. When we get involved in a particular thing, we, we get really familiar with the jargon. I have a friend who's just started working in a school district and she told me, oh my God, so many acronyms. I, I've got to keep a list of acronyms oh, here because God. every time yeah. there's, oh, am I working with the JSC today or am I working with the APL? You know, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't even know. Every every occupation, I think it's to keep other people out. They use all yes. acronyms. Yeah. And so, and, and Ayurveda doubly so, not because they want to keep anybody out, but because it was founded in India and it's, it's a lot of things are in Sanskrit. So dosha is probably a really common term when we're working with Ayurveda. It's, and I'm going to try and use as few of the jargony words as I can so that people can get them. But dosha is one of those that I think, yeah, when you're talking about Ayurveda, you want to be familiar with the term dosha. And the way it's usually used is your dosha determines your tendency to go out of balance, what type of way you go out of balance. And so what we'll talk about in much later podcasts is that Ayurveda recognizes these three doshic types. And so when we look at doing an an assessment with somebody to figure out how to bring them back into balance, we ask questions that might help us identify which of the doshic types do they go towards. And so, so I'd say dosha is a good word to know, but you'll, but you'll often hear it used in the context of people asking, what's my dosha? You know, who am I? (laughs) And, and I think sometimes it gets considered a little bit like your, your star sign, you know, like, Oh, I'm a Gemini. You know, what does that mean? And um, the difference, though, would be as Ayurveda over the years has really seen patterning that happens with with the way people work. And so when we are aware of our dosha, our tendencies, then we're going to, we can behave in a way that brings them back in line. And then something you said there was about longevity or about homeostasis. The idea is more often when I'm in homeostasis, when the body's staying pretty balanced, I'm going to age more slowly. I'm going to break down cells more slowly. When I'm out of homeostasis, I'm in stress, and now I'm going to age faster. So by keeping in homeostasis, I could slow down that aging process. So homeostasis then would be the idea of balance, and dosha would be what defines the definition of you being uh, what, what it is that makes you out of balance. Would, would that yes. be a fair explanation? Okay. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it because people often look at it as identity or something. And I just, I'm always saying, no, 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 you're not your mm-hmm. dosha. You know, the mm-hmm. dosha is a fault. I don't want to be the fault line. I don't want to have the earthquake. I want to, mm-hmm. but if I see where my, my fault line is, I guess I just had this kind of flash that California is not a collection of fault lines, but California has a collection of fault lines. 
Okay. So, so you're not your dosha, you're not that thing, but you have it, you have those energies and they have a tendency to be balanced or imbalanced by our diet or lifestyle. Okay. Okay. So I've, I've got one concept of uh, <laughs> Arvita now. If I, could, if I could do each one of these little things in that depth, I think that we'd be okay. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it's often we get lost at Ayurveda because of all the terms yeah. and the Sanskrit terms thrown around. And that can be kind of confusing. Well, okay. But we'll try to break it down so that it's uh, understandable. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've got the idea now that dosha would be the thing that maybe gets you out of homeostasis or out of balance. Yes. And, and it causes, uh, which then leads to um, negative outcomes with health. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And then it also then directs us, how are we going to get back? So if I know that I had this tendency, so I, I mentioned the qualities like light or dry or unstable. So maybe it's the middle of winter and it's, and I'm really, really dry. I'm not drinking enough water and I'm doing too many activities and I'm um, just having so much stuff going on. It's cold outside. I've got all these qualities and I might suffer some kind of consequence because of that, some kind of health consequence, maybe anxiety, maybe insomnia. And then it also becomes a model for how we bring people back into balance, what are our, how, how we decide on our recommendations that we'd say, oh, this person's got a lot of dryness. What can we do to get them more moisture? Or this person's got a lot of unstable qualities in their life. What can we do to get them more stability? So it's both the cause of the imbalance and kind of the direction we want to go to bring people back to balance. We come back to these qualities. And I think I've got a whole, whole podcast or few <laughs> based on those qualities so we can start to see them in our own lives but i think mm -hmm. the way you said it was really good there that it's it's what destroys homeostasis is the dosha mm -hmm. yeah so so like being uh, um dehydrated would right. be uh, being out and then you want to bring in fluids so mm -hmm. that the dosha might be that you're uh, uh exercising too much or you've uh, or whatever or having a lack of uh, um, fluid intake then that you need to drink more water to yes. get your body balanced. Okay. Yeah. And, and then the, that dosha was that the, the, the incident that you're dehydrated. Exactly. Uh, the cause. Yeah. Okay. And, so, and I think it's really interesting. Like Ayurveda codifies some of these things, you know, it says, oh, there's dryness is pacified by moisture and heaviness is pacified by lightness. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at it, you go, Yeah. <laughs> Like that makes sense. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. But, and I think it's, I had a student one time challenge me. I thought this was really great. He was talking to his friends about his studies in Ayurveda and they just said, oh, Ayurveda just has so many rules, so many, so many things there. And I, he asked me about it and I kind of went, well, I got to think about that because it does. We have a lot of, a lot of rules. And then I came back and I said, I don't think it's Ayurveda that has the rules. I think it's your body that has the mm -hmm. rules and we used to pay attention, maybe, maybe we used to, maybe we never did. And then when we don't pay attention, it's like we have to be reminded. So it's, it's like you mentioned going for a hike and you're walking out the door and go to the hike and someone says, don't forget to bring your water. And you go, oh yeah, That's forgot right. about that. Or, you know, oh, it looks like it might rain. You might want to bring a raincoat. And Ayurveda is preventive in that way. It reminds us ahead of time. And I think we touched on this possibly in our first our first episode, but just the concept of maybe I'm not remembering the things. And so mm -hmm. that's where Ayurveda is going to come in. I sometimes think of what Ayurveda is, is a user's manual for the body. Okay. Well, I like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really think of it. I, I had used this analogy before, like we, and what's, I think what's unique to Ayurveda is that we're each considered a unique person. Mm-hmm. That if I tried to use the user manual for my truck to adjust the settings in my car, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> my car's <laughs> my car's not going to run really well, and yeah. it just doesn't. It's just not the right user's okay. manual. So there's mm-hmm. no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Ayurveda, so you adapt it to yourself. Okay. Well, I think we've got a, a good introduction uh, mm-hmm. uh, to what it is. So uh, where did it come from? How, how, how did this originate? Mm-hmm. So the origins of Ayurveda come from India, and its its origins are somewhat lost to time. Um, you'll often hear people say it's 5,000 years old. Sometimes you'll hear people say it's more than 2,000 years old. But what they did was they dated it to the onset of cities forming in India. Because okay. that was the time when people came together in one place, and so they said, it did it exist before that? So when I think of Ayurveda like life wisdom, I think it existed as long as humans have existed. You know, this just okay. having awareness of how to live in alignment with nature, but actually having to codify it, I think, as we move further like into cities and move out of nature, no longer in relationship with, you know, the movement of nature so much, but more about uh, having space around us that's kind of built and designed. That's when it became codified. And so mm-hmm. it has its origins in texts that are called the Vedas, which is the foundation of Vedic thought. And that is um, the foundation of Hinduism. This is, I want to bring this up because Ayurveda is not a religion but it comes from the same place that a religion comes from. Okay. So Ayurveda is not Hinduism, but it does come from the same soil. Now, one thing you said that I I, I want to reinforce is that you said that um, the early texts are the texts, what is 5,000 years old, and then it's just was written down. And that's when they say it started is once people started writing it down, but mm-hmm. it could have been going on for uh, uh, many millennia before then. But exactly. if nobody's writing it down, there's no evidence. But so once they wrote it down, there it is. Right. Is exactly. Yeah. And yeah. one okay. of the stories I heard, and I think this is kind of fascinating. And of course I, I don't have, I, I don't have my sources to back it up. So I'm going to tell you, but it will tell it to you in the form of a story was that most of the knowledge about India comes from, or the history of India comes from the time when the um, British were in charge of India, and there were British historians that were writing India's history. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting, if you go to look for a a book on Indian history now, it will typically cite you back to the source for that first British writer who was writing about Indian history. The Indians, it was kept everything in an oral tradition. And now Mm -hmm. when they're writing about it, here was someone coming in from the outside. And what the story is, is that this person didn't want the age of India, anything in India, to predate biblical times. Mm. So, mm. Um, you know, because if, if in the beginning, God created, yeah. God created the earth, then you couldn't have anything before that. And that's where you go with this kind of young earth belief system that the earth being 6,000 years old. And so, you know, Ayurveda can't be older than that. So it must be 5,000 years old. Mm. And so I think you're right that I, I tend to be an old earther. <laughs> so, so I think, I think we're looking at billions, not, I don't think billions of years for Ayurveda, but thousands of years for Ayurveda. That it, it was being used. once humans started to communicate. I right. Or, yeah, or, you know, especially if you think of it like grandmother medicine, if you know, put your shirt on, put your jacket on, you know, if it's cold, <laughs> get warm. If you're, if you're dry, drink water. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
that kind of thing would have been happening as soon as people could communicate with each other. You've always got, I, I think we've always had the mother figure or father figure who's saying, you know, you better think about what's coming in order to protect yourself. Just like the squirrels that are gathering. Yeah, just the, uh, the squirrels. They're gathering and making nests during the summer. Yes. Okay. okay, so so basically, it's it's part of uh, uh, what had developed in India and amongst the uh, 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 the country there, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's something that it was just carried on for uh, as long as uh, recorded history has been happening. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay. Has it has it evolved a lot over the years? You know what's really interesting with Ayurveda, or what I find really interesting with it, is that it traveled out of India. And mm-hmm. along with the Buddhist teachings, with meditation and things like that, and it traveled from India into China and traveled from India into Tibet, and it became traditional Chinese medicine, or it became Tibetan medicine. As I say, it became traditional Chinese medicine. I always laugh when I say, if you get a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and an Ayurvedic practitioner in a room, they'll fight over whose medicine is older. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was just going to go. That would mess up my analogy. Of, uh... <laughs> So, so I think there was probably a lot of traditional Chinese medicine that was already occurring. And then they took the parts of Ayurveda that they wanted to use and brought it into their field. And the same thing in Tibet, there was probably already some form of Tibetan medicine that was happening. And then they said, oh, and this works too. So Ayurveda has traveled outside, outside of India, you can now find it all over the world. And Mm -hmm. as it travels into a new place, it brings in new herbs, it brings in new foods, it brings in the lifestyle of the people around it. So I think if I look at Ayurveda, the principles don't alter. The principles of alignment with nature, and if you're dry, bring in moisture, don't change. But how you're going to work with that and how you're going to, how you're going to adapt that into this culture is always in flux. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the hard things I think about Ayurveda too, because it is so old that you will, and it gets translated through so many different people over those years, that it's possible for you to have two people who are both very learned and they say completely opposite things. And then you have to really sit with and think about, hmm, how does this work for me? How is yeah. this, how is this in my life? Because uh, that's the thing I'm always telling students is, you know, pay attention to your body. It's like, if somebody told you in a book that apples are good for you and you eat apples mm-hmm. and you break out in hives, Who's right? The book yeah. <laughs> you or know? your body or your body. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so I think it does change and it, it's, it's meant to, it's adaptable or should be adaptable to people's lives and impact them, but the principles would stay the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, we got where it came from. And then uh, we want to talk a little bit about health and disease models. Yeah. So, one thing now, Ayurveda's definition of health is is a little bit unique. Well, probably not too unique. It's like freedom from any symptoms, certainly. Mm-hmm. But the the line goes: everything's in balance. The doshas, the those mm-hmm. tendencies, you've corrected all of those. All the tissues of the body are produced appropriately, not too much, not too little. All the organs and the body systems are functioning well without symptom and keeping you in homeostasis. But what I think is unique to Ayurveda's definition of health is then they end it with in a happy and contented state of mind. So we started this time at like mental health, that it's not enough that you have a symptom-free body. They would also look like, are you free of anger and fear and anxiety and sadness and depression? Because Mm -hmm. 
those are also signs of disease. So the model of, of health in Ayurveda is a body functioning optimally and the mind functioning optimally and being present moment focused and free of stress and all those uh, little mind killers. Yeah, I, I, and I'd like to sort of bring in as the representative of uh, more conventional institutional yes. medicine that you're not looking at replacing, uh, um, uh, say, if somebody has uh, healthcare concerns, they shouldn't say, well, I'm not going to go to my doctor anymore. I'm just going to practice uh, Ayurvedic medicine and I should be fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're looking at it as being something that's supplemental to traditional medicine. Or, yeah, I think it's really complementary. I think a lot of times if, if I go into a Western medical doctor, they don't really ask me about what I'm eating unless I've got, you know, maybe if I'm constipated or something, they might say, well, what are you eating lately? Or what's that been going mm-hmm. on? Yeah, yeah. They're more likely going to focus on the symptom and how to relieve the symptom, possibly pharmacologically, possibly with other treatments. Um, they often don't have the time or possibly the training to get into yeah. diet and lifestyle stuff. Probably time and, and is a big factor. Yeah. Yeah, Western medicine is more of a disease focused rather than health focused. It's more of um, instead of healthcare, it's disease care, and then trying to eliminate the disease. And then once the disease is eliminated, or the disease process, then they're done. And yes. you're on your own. And mm-hmm. uh, I would like to think that maybe you're on your own to then practice Ayurvedic medicine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I think there was something you said early on. Oops, I might have just lost it. But it was, oh, holistic. Something being holistic is I often mm-hmm. find that I'll be talking to someone and they've got five different doctors for five different body parts and they're on five different medications for, you know, for each of the body parts. And the doctors I don't always communicate directly with each other to make sure they may not even um, communicate well with the client to say, oh, be careful with this medication and that medication. And mm-hmm. I think they mean to. And I think the more mm-hmm. it gets computerized, maybe the more often red flags will go up. Yeah. But I find and, that a lot. and I know just from my exposure in the mental health community, uh, often you're so overwhelmed with illnesses that are coming in, it's difficult to also supplement that. Oh well, let's let's look at really uh, uh, full health uh, uh, because we're uh, uh, there's just isn't enough resources to uh, meet the needs of the people that are seriously ill now, right. and you don't have resources left over to try to help people to get self actualized or to really. Uh, uh, have their full ability mm-hmm. uh, met. So that kind of falls on the individual would be the most optimistic uh, uh, approach to it. And there certainly mm-hmm. is a, uh, uh, things that people will find in fault. Um, but the real issue is that the um, resources are limited and, and there is a lot of uh, illness and people treating disease. Yes. And then, and then it's, it's up to the individual to take over from there to try mm-hmm. to improve their health mm-hmm. to the optimal way they yeah, I think we're a little bit like a house of cards. No, maybe we're more like a stack of dominoes. Okay, <laughs> but something in the dominoes. Take either one. Like, so the house, the, the problem with the, the analogy with my analogy with house of cards is like if one thing goes wrong, everything collapses. But our bodies aren't like that. We could have one thing mm-hmm. go wrong, and the whole body doesn't collapse. It may eventually, but one thing mm-hmm. doesn't usually throw out the whole the whole thing. But I think we are a little bit more like that line of dominoes stacked up. It will have a problem go on in our digestive system, and then it might affect our mental health. It might affect our urinary system. It's like it's a pretty soon I'm going in and I'm seeing a different doctor for each one of these systems, and that can be um, that can be harder. And I, so, but getting back to the original question, I think Ayurveda is a great adjunct to working with traditional Western medicine, mm-hmm. or yeah, I guess I could call it traditional. 
what's typical yeah. Western medicine. Typically, I, I, I'm willing to let go of the traditional. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because they say this is a traditional medicine. It's like, so yeah, that one's yeah. traditional. But um, in India, you would have the option, like if you were seeking out healthcare, you could go to an Ayurvedic doctor who's trained in Ayurvedic pharmacology and Ayurvedic surgery and these things. In the U.S., we have many people coming here that are Ayurvedic doctors in India, but it's not a recognized healthcare field in the U.S. at this point. So maybe, maybe some point down the line, you would have an option of saying, I want to see how a Ayurvedic doctor would handle this condition and, and opting for them. Right now, I think a lot of what we're doing in the U.S. is learning these principles. You're learning the principles and beginning to apply them in our diet and our lifestyle. Because one of the things I think about with symptoms is I'll use the analogy of a burglar alarm. And so you have a burglar alarm in your house and it's, it's woken you up. It's two in the morning and your burglar alarm's going off and you say, oh, it's a stupid alarm. So you get up and you unplug the alarm and you go back yeah. to bed, you know, because the alarm was keeping you awake. And so you didn't like that. So you're going to go back to bed and there's a burglar in your house. There's a thief mm -hmm. in there and now you have no warning. So, mm -hmm. Ayurveda considers the symptoms really important because they're the burglar alarm going off. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is figure out who's the thief. What's the thief mm -hmm. of your sanity? What's the thief of your sleep? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be whatever you're doing, diet, lifestyle, some external ex exposure, okay. what you're doing that might have created the imbalance in the first place. Mm -hmm. Well, that certainly is the uh, um, Western medicine approach is to look at the uh, alarm or the disease or the symptoms. Right, and then try to fix that, and then they're done. Yes. <laughs> then, mm -hmm. where Ayurvedic medicine maybe is looking beyond that, mm -hmm. just uh, relieving that symptom, but rather and finding the uh, cause and uh, trying to eliminate that, but trying to prevent it from happening again. Or yes, would that be a fair analogy. I think that's a really great. We we often use the term like uprooting the cause. You know, what's mm -hmm. the cause there? Let's pull it out and throw it out. Let's kick the burglar out of the house, and mm -hmm. now we're good. Yeah. Okay. I remember sometimes though, it's, you really want the, the alarm to go off. And so mm -hmm. I say, you know, let's do a little bit of both. I think Western medicine is great at getting that alarm to go off and, mm -hmm. or to get it to be quiet. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want there them to set go. it off. Yeah. They want the alarm to be quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and so working with the both of them, you could maybe come at it from a pharmacological point to get the symptom to calm down while you're also looking and saying, how did I create this? How, mm -hmm. What did I do? I remember in my own life, I had a health challenge and Western medicine was, was helping me with it, but it was just being managed. And then when I went back and said, oh, I should, I should look at this. And I had a belief system at the time that I was really being very healthy. But I, when I looked at it through a different eyes from a different perspective, I wasn't eating enough food or I wasn't drinking enough water. I was drinking other stuff, but I wasn't drinking water. And um, I wasn't really taking care of my body, helping it maintain homeostasis. And I was able to ride on that for a while because I was young. And mm -hmm. so the imbalance didn't show up till I was in my late thirties. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> I, I don't get to live like I lived in my teens for the rest of my life. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. And, um, and that's where it becomes a preventive medicine that if I mm -hmm. do good things, then mm -hmm. I can step out of that circle every once in a while and do whatever I want. <laughs> so, so it's a different approach at like a lot of the uh, complementary uh, practices are that you're looking at having a um, positive approach on life and and identifying uh, what is causing the problems and then trying to avoid them. Mm -hmm. And those and uh, to get back to where we were earlier, it's the dosha that you're 
seeing that that can be causing the complications or, or yes. that the finding that dosha mm-hmm. and, and determining and, and getting to know yourself better. Yes. I, I think is probably something that Western medicine, uh, uh, that would differentiate mm-hmm. uh, the Ayurvedic approach to Western medicine. Yeah. And it can certainly I, be complementary to the healthcare that you get in the, yes. in the Western medicine. And I think too, like Western medicine does do a bit of a one size fits all. And, mm-hmm. um, Ayurveda just doesn't, is they would say for, for whom, when is always comes mm-hmm. back to who's the person and when are they doing it? What's going on? Um, so there's nothing that's really always bad. Yeah, there might be a few things that are always bad, but there's very <laughs> few things that are always bad. Don't eat poison, but you know, that, yeah. that would always be bad. <laughs> yeah. But they would say, you know, who's taking it? How much are they taking? Uh, when are they taking it? Yeah, is it appropriate? Yeah. Is it inappropriate? And mm-hmm. what I like about that is then I get to live my life. You know, I'm not stuck. The rules don't say I can never do something, mm-hmm. but I do want to check in and see how am I doing right now? Is this going to create balance or imbalance? And then we'll go on from there. Okay. So um, this might be a good place to uh, uh, call it a, a day. And okay. uh, we've got a little yeah. bit of an introduction to uh, what Ayurvedic is and where it came from. And we talked a little bit about different disease models. And, and I learned the word dosha. <laughs> So a word a day. Well, a word a podcast. Anyway, <laughs> good deal. So I think we got a good start on it. Uh, next week, we could um, talk about health and uh, cultivating uh, health as well as the uh, uh, pillars when focusing specifically on the relationship of food and sleep and energy. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something we could yeah. take on. I think it sounds great. I think it's a good direction to go from here because it's about prevention and maybe people will start to think about, ah, is there something I'm doing that's really great for me that's creating great health? Is there something Mm -hmm. I'm doing that maybe isn't? And it comes from that self-awareness. Then you're empowered. You can make a change if you want. Okay. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to talking to you then. Thank you so much, Jerry. And I really, I'm really enjoying talking to you. And so this is Mary Thompson and Jerry Thompson, and we're signing off with Ayur What Now. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash ayurwhatnow. You can always find us for free wherever you find your podcasts. And remember to subscribe so you'll have access to the latest episodes. We're glad you're here.